So, a little bit about me. Some of you guys may not know, but I I used to host a podcast by myself back in the day. Back in the I was in college. So much worse. I was a young child. It was weird. It was bad. And I had a podcast. And with that podcast, I had a website. And I thought this website was the coolest thing ever. I wrote blogs every week. And thank goodness the website no longer exists because the typos that existed <laughs> on that blog were so bad. It seems to be it a was recurring theme in your life. Terror. I failed all three English classes I had to take. I failed all three of them. And you're only supposed to take two, but because I failed the first two, they made me take a third one. And then I failed that one. Um, Anyways, on this blog, I basically got hacked. Like I got hacked. I was, I was like a year into this blog and my blog got hacked. And so I go to my website and it says like, this blog has been hacked. It's scheduled for deactivation. And we're going to do all these terrible things to your website. And I had no access to my website. So I was like breaking down. I was scared. I was upset. I was like, what are they going to post on this website? I'm done. I'm through. I was like 15 years old having this existential crisis. Right. (laughs) And one day I sit down, I'm like, I'm going to beat this hacker. I know HTML. I know how to do this. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do it. And so I sit down for like two hours and I beat the hacker. I get back into my website and I'm like, take that. And so I'm driving to Starbucks after school one day and I'm sure. thinking to myself, I'm like, look at God, look at God. You know, he's coming through for me. He's got my back. He knows what I'm going through. Take that Satan. Try and take my website back. Try and take my website back. And I'm talking trash to Satan in my car out loud as a 16 year old driving to Starbucks, right? Sure. Well, I walk into the Starbucks, I sit down, <laughs> I plug in my laptop, connect to the Wi-Fi, go to my website, and the message, my so my website was hacked again in like the 20 minutes. <laughs> and the message on my website was, you thought you could stop me. And I was like, who is Satan out here trying to take my website back? And so I learned a really valuable lesson in that uh-huh. moment. Um, I feel like the Lord was sanctifying me in a way that taught me not to talk trash to Satan um, just out of like a humility thing, you know, like be humble. I'm not the, you know, victor. Jesus is. Jesus has the victory. And I was like talking it up in the car. So thank goodness I was alone because people would have had a different perspective of me. I don't after. know. If, I don't know if we would have been friends if we knew each other at 16. I wore Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> so. you, you still wear Crocs. What do you mean I wore Crocs? <laughs> I got my mean? first pair of Crocs at like eight years old at Disney because I wore the wrong shoes. My parents got mad at me. They're like, these shoes are going to give you blisters. Hold they bought up. me Crocs at Disney. Speaking speaking of the, the sharp disconnect between me and Victor. So on my college basketball team... <laughs> My my dream shoe was like we had these like uh these like warm up sweats we had to wear for everything every single game and we were right. division three so like ain't no luxury in D three that's top of so the so we're top just right like there. riding the buses in the middle of like uh freaking Illinois um and I was like you know what would be great if we just got a little bit of booster money and we got Team Crocs um like it's <laughs> it's cold it's Illinois get the most like the fur on the inside and I'm like yeah, Dude, that would have yeah. been no one t- no one took me seriously no one ever took me seriously but I'm like I would have paid so much extra money to have team Crocs we could have gotten like yeah. Wheaton College gibbets uh, you could have like, gotten like great, Div bro. 3 on the heel <laughs> it's like- 
<laughs> so speaking, three, speaking, final of four. This, <laughs> speaking of this, um, division three, I always thought like as a student pastor playing college basketball would make me so cool with kids. It didn't. Um, <laughs> Absolutely not. And I have this like final yeah. four ring that's just been like sitting on my desk. Like I'm proud of it. Like I, I did it. Yeah, you should be. I clapped so hard. Like I, I, I cheered. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. Um, but these middle schoolers <laughs> keep coming into my office and stealing it. <laughs> so it's oh, like literally. It was hidden. Bro, it was hidden, right? That was me. Did you hide? Did you hide it? That was me. That was me. On Sunday. Yeah. I've, I have been interrogating <laughs> Middle schoolers <laughs> in my ministry <laughs> looking for that ring. That's been you the whole it time. Was it was behind the curriculum. <laughs> it was behind the curriculum you. on your desk. I'm, That's where it bro, was. I made That's a where I cry. I, made, I, 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 I came up I to the my sixth wife. grade boy. <laughs> I, I looked at my wife because she was with me, and I was like, "He's gonna get yeah. so mad." <laughs> and I hid the ring behind the curriculum. <laughs> Bro, it bothers me to my <laughs> core when, when people touch my stuff. So, like, yes. I literally, I, I came up to this boy in the hallway. I was like, I know you did it. <laughs> and, and he was like, did what? And I was like, I need to see it on my desk by the end of the day. Otherwise, there will be consequences. Walk away. <laughs> you know you're guilty. Yeah. Did he find it? I know it? you did, did this. Did he find it? No. Did no. he find it? Oh. No. I still haven't found it. I should have okay, told you. Now, I guess, I mean, this shows you how you, much you I've still haven't that. found like, it? I moved. No, I haven't been to my desk in like two days. Oh, it's behind the curriculum. Uh, thank <laughs> on you. On your desk. Thank you're you. welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should, never, what you should do. You're never invited back. You should tape an air tag <laughs> to the inside of, of the case so you can always track it. <laughs> so you know, you know when one of your students or me Bro, takes it it's and moves been, it. It's been stolen like seven times and it burns <laughs> me up every single time. I'm like, I'll work for that, man. D3, hey, you I did. tried, we did, look, I don't have that much gear from college. I have like one sweatshirt. So I'm like, that's the one, the one the thing ring. I have and the <laughs> ring and the ring. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned that you're a student pastor and that's pretty cool because so am I. I'm actually a student pastor in the state of North Carolina there you go. and my name's Victor. Hey Amen. Your transition is getting better, buddy. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, and my name is Reagan Jones. I'm also a student pastor at a local church in North Carolina. And welcome to Sanctified-ish, conversations with pastors who have not figured it out. And y'all, we've actually been really excited. Like on a very serious note, um, the podcast has been growing a lot over the last month yeah. or so. Um, like we, we've been seeing a ton of you guys um, downloading the episodes and sharing the episodes. We've been getting some emails, even like personal texts from friends and family. And yeah. I think that's a really cool thing is when this doesn't just impact people like across the country or across the world, but like when it impacts like one of our students or one of our family members say like, Hey, this really impacted me. And man, that stuff is really cool. Um, but we also know that there are a lot of new faces to the podcast and a lot of new people here. Um, and so this podcast is basically just going to be like a, Hey, this is, uh, sanctified ish 101. This is literally what the whole podcast yeah. is about. And we've actually never done a podcast solely on sanctification and why it sucks and why it's good for us and <laughs> all of these amazing, wonderful things. Yeah. And so we're going to take a deep dive into sanctification today. Literally. So the first episode we have is called sanctified ish and we share like a little bit about us and who we are, but we never really dive into the nitty gritty of sanctification. Yeah. And like the whole reason we 
got together and started recording these conversations is because a lot of our phone calls would be these two hour, you know, sagas of us just venting through how the Lord is sanctifying us, how much it sucks, but then how awesome it is that we get to look more like Jesus. And so hopefully this episode will introduce you to the reason why we started this podcast, but then also like provide some really tangible encouragement because you're not the only one that feels like sanctification is hard and that it sucks and that it's tough and that it's difficult. It's like even pastors, us pastors who are like crazy high up there in like the famous pastor territory, like they feel it all the way down to the new baby Christian um, who's just surrendered their life to the Lord. So this is something that I think will encompass every single person listening to this episode today. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is a pretty, pretty good place to start off with this. Um, Vic, let's just give a very quick, simple definition of sanctification because that's a very churchy word, but that's not actually defined. So like what, what does sanctification actually mean? Yeah, it's literally the process of looking more like Jesus. And it it is this process that Christians go through and Sometimes this process is really difficult in the, in the book of James, sorry, in the book of first Peter, there's this, there's this word that's used. The word is dokemion. It's this really cool Greek word that basically illustrates the process that metal would go through as it was being refined. And so you would put impure gold into a furnace, subject it to a ton of pressure and heat It would come out. All the imperfections will rise to the top. And then the, the blacksmith would cut all of the imperfections off and then they put it back in and they take it out and cut all the imperfections off and they put it back in. And it was this, it was this process that, that had to be repeated over and over and over and over again until you got this pure piece of metal. And yeah. the, the thing that that word illustrates is very similar to what sanctification is in a believer's life. It's us being subjected to intense pressure whether it's life circumstances, whether it's, you know, spiritual questions or doubts or whatever it might be, we're subjected yeah. to this intense pressure. We come out, God cuts the imperfections off. We're like, yes, finally, it's over. And then you wake up the next morning <laughs> and it's like, boom, back into the furnace because God cares yeah. about you so much that he wants you to grow to look more like him. So it's a tough process, yeah. but it's a process that's worth it. Well, and there's a difference between justification and sanctification. Like justification is what Jesus has done for you on the cross. That's like basically like his righteousness in your place. You go to heaven. Sanctification is the process until you see him face to face. And so that's why like the whole podcast is called sanctified ish. It's because we're not sanctified. We will never be sanctified until we see Jesus face to face and all of our sin, all of our imperfections, all of the things that we've caused, they're all gone and we can now be in front of him perfect yeah. and holy in heaven. Um, that's why we're sanctified-ish. We're just, we're, yeah. we're getting there. <laughs> we're just it's, like, a, it's, it's a process. <laughs> it's it's yeah. in the middle. And it's <laughs> like the way that I always try to explain sanctification to our students is like this really simple phrase that it's three steps forward and it's two steps back but that's still one step further away from the person that you used to be apart from Jesus. And that one step is called the process of sanctification. Um, That is hopefully I love Jesus more at 26 than I did at 16. And hopefully I will love him more and look like him and act like him. And my desires will be more like his at 36 than they are at 26. 
And I heard this really unique illustration. Um, it's by like some dude. He like creates professional golf courses. Never heard of this. Oh, wow. I didn't know that was like a job. Cool. I just assumed golf courses like showed just up. Existed. Um, <laughs> yeah, just existed. Yeah, just existed. Who'd have thought? <laughs> um, but somebody asked him, he's like, hey, like if you see like a forest, how do you start the process of creating a golf course? And he says, I will stand in front of that forest and I will stare at it for 24 hours. And then after hmm. I do that, I will remove everything that is not golf course. So he takes all, hmm. all the trees, he builds out the golf course in his mind. And then it's the process of eliminating everything that does not need to be there. So that at the end, you have this really beautiful golf course. And that's exactly yeah. what God does with us is that he sees the, like, the image of Jesus in us. And he says, I'm going to take away everything that is not Jesus. It is more of him and less of me. Um, and that, that, that's the process. And the thing that really sucks about sanctification is it is wonderful to look like Jesus. It is. They're yeah. like, that is the prize of our life. I have never been sanctified through like blessings. Um, yeah. Sancti sanctification oftentimes comes through like really hard things. Like you, you just mentioned like the refining fire, like fire sucks and fire hurts yeah. and fire is not wonderful to feel, but the end product is something beautiful. And I think a lot of us, especially, I know this like, there's a lot of young adults that are coming out of college that have no idea what is going on with their life right now, that they're looking at the hard situations they're in. They don't see what's down the road. And I'm like, man, God is using those hard, unknown circumstances that like you can't see the end product yet, but he's yeah. working through that to make you look more like Jesus. And in that there's hope and there's beauty in the process. Yeah, we live in such a culture of instant gratification that like baked into our DNA as humans, just naturally we want things to happen really quick. But I think as technology progresses and as things move faster and as we're able to consume information and media faster, we just naturally subconsciously become more impatient and yeah. we want the process of sanctification to be really quick. It's like become a Christian. Okay. Now I should be perfect. I'll never mess up again. I'm going to stop yeah. watching these videos on the internet. I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop yeah. doing X, Y, and Z. I'm going to cut out all the bad music. That's as bad words out of my life because that's what Christians do. And all of a sudden yeah. now I'm going to be perfect. And unfortunately that is, is a, that, that is just a straight lie because yeah. Christianity often introduces more hardships and more difficulties into someone's life because now that person needs to become more like Jesus. It's a slow, yeah. it's a steady, and it's a lifelong process. And you never really get there in this life. Like you never, no. like there are some theologians from across history that would argue that you can get there. You can um, but yeah. I think general Christian orthodoxy nowadays, and, and I would agree with this is that, you can't. It's like we will always be imperfect people, but the yeah. slow and steady process of becoming more and more like Jesus is a beautiful picture. And it's one that we should walk into joyfully, but knowing that it's going to be a really difficult process. In fact, like I know stories of people that have hit rock bottom, doubted their faith, yeah. left the faith even. Yeah. And, and have come back 
but so much more in love and on fire for Jesus than what they were prior. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, I think there's a fine line where it's like not every hard thing in your life is like this beautiful gift from God used to sanctify you. Sometimes, sometimes hard things are consequences. Yeah. Um, Like sometimes hard things come into our life as a result of the sin in our life. But the good thing about God is that he will take those things and he will turn them for good to sanctify you. Like I heard, I heard a friend talk about, um, I believe it's Genesis 50, 20. I could be messing up the exact one, but it's like what man meant for evil, God turned for good. And he's like, I used to think about it where it's like, well, Satan threw this bad thing at me. This is a consequence that came in my life. And God just kind of grabbed it. It's like, oh, let me just like shift this real quick. Let me turn this real quick. That was unexpected. But yeah. it's no, it's like God takes this, this thing that Satan threw at you and he directs it at you. And he says, what, what man meant for evil, I'm going to hit you <laughs> and I'm yeah. going to mean it for good. And that's where Proverbs talks like faithful are the wounds of a friend that there has been no more faithful wound in my life than the wound that has come from Jesus. Yeah. Where there have been times where he has had to hit me upside the head, where he has had to wreck everything in my life. And he has had to get me completely on my knees because I'm stubborn. And he has had to say like, okay, like, do I have your attention now? Yeah. And those are, those are the wounds that hurt. Yeah. But those are the wounds that like, if those wounds, if those punches are pulled, (laughs) Then now you look two, three years down the road and I'm like, man, I, I'm more like Jesus because of those moments yeah. than I am without them. So when those moments come, now I have a hope and a perspective um, that like I, I, I can see the end result and I can see the purpose behind them. Um, here's well, what I've been challenged with, though. OK, Here, I, I, I want to throw this out to you. Um, I think we view sanctification as a passive act. Yeah. That I think we are actually called to pray for it. Like yeah. Psalm 139. This is like one of my favorite Psalms in the entire Bible. But David says, search me, O God, know my heart. Try yeah. me, know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me, anything in me that does not look like you. And then lead me in the way everlasting. That is a prayer for sanctification. That is a prayer for refining. Yeah. And then do we actually pray for sanctification? Because we know it's going to bring hardships. Like we know it's going to hurt. Yeah. But do we want to look more like Jesus more than we don't want to go through suffering and hurt? There, there's such a fear of living this life uncomfortably, inconvenienced. Um, there's such a fear of living your life the way that you don't want to. And so what we yeah. naturally do is we do everything in our power to make our life look the way we want it to. And that naturally means that we are going to build our life in a way that brings the least amount of hardship hardships. And in doing so, that often means that sometimes we'll neglect to ask yeah. God to cause us to look more like him. Yeah. And it's, it's so fascinating to me because I actually wrote a blog post about this a while back on like the prayer of sanctification and I'll I, people fall into one of two camps. I feel like you either have the Christian yeah. that doesn't pray for sanctification and, and yeah, receives it passively. And usually yeah. that path is really difficult That's or hard. because God wants you to build that dependence on him. And so he'll kind of force it into you, right? Like that's a tough path. 
But also, I feel like there's the person that will pray, Jesus, make me look more like you. Just do it. And what happens is, is they don't really know what they're asking for. Yeah. Like, they don't really know that they're asking Jesus to take everything away because he's worth it. Well, bro, and this is built into our worship songs, too. Like, there's a song, uh, yeah. More Like it's Jesus. Scary. If more of you, If more of you means less of me, take everything. everything. That is a scary song to sing. <laughs> everything. Even the one by Mav City, uh, I want to be tried by fire, purified. Yep. Do you really? Like, you, you sing do it. Do you really want to be... <laughs> I was like, I couldn't Y'all be me, it. man. I'm like, that the hands go down at that moment. I'm like, I don't hands know if I can pocket. sing that. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if I want that. Yeah. But like sanctification is built even like, I mean, regardless of what you think about Bethel, Bethel just came out with a new album and there's a song called Tend. I believe it's called Tend. And like the whole song is about how guard about how God sanctifies us like somebody tending a garden. Like pulling the weeds, push, push, taking out what doesn't need to be there so that what he wants to be there can grow and flourish. And I'm like, yes, that's it. So like I see this trend of sanctification being brought into our worship and I'm like, bro, our people don't know what they're singing. Yeah. They don't know what they're singing. Yeah. Because sanctification is not a part of our discipleship curriculum. It's very rarely a part of our preaching. But I'm like, this is the goal of the Christian life. Because at the root of everything, if you are sanctified, you will worship God better. You will worship him rightly. If you are sanctified, you will share the gospel because it will flow out of you. If you are sanctified, your desires, your passions, your loves, your thoughts, your words, like Romans 12, 2 is a promise of sanctification that says we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Like sanctification is at the bedrock of a lot of Christianity. And I just feel like it's something that we just don't talk about at all. And like the, and I, I often hear pushback to sanctification in that it's not just talked about, like, it's just not present in the Bible that much, like compared to other things. And that's just not true. Like yeah. when you read scripture, I mean, one, you want to talk about like the whole picture of pruning a plant. Like this is this illustration that God gives us about how sometimes you have to cut some things away so that they'll grow back and and yeah. produce the fruit that it once wasn't, right? Yeah. There are these pictures of that talk about like throwing the chaff into the fire, like throwing yeah, these these worthless pieces that are producing nothing into the fire so that this plant can produce its intended fruit. That's what a gardener does. Yeah. And it's like if God is the gardener if, and and we are we are, you know, the plants of the field, then he would be a bad gardener yeah. if he did not prune his plants because he as a gardener desires for his plants to produce fruit. And so him yeah. being a good gardener prunes his people so that will. Well, and even fruit. like a really practical Bible story to go off of that is Jonah. I've never thought about it through the lens of sanctification, but you can't tell me the whale yeah. is not sanctification. Yeah. He, like right there. He has no desire to go and share the gospel. He's like, I don't like those people. They, they have turned None. away from you. And, and God says, you know what? I'm going to remove that heart from you. And you're going to go yeah. three, spend three days in the belly of a whale. And then we're going to have a chat after that. And then let me know your, your, your posture towards those people. And yeah. he comes out. 
and he goes and shares the gospel oh, and they repent I'll go now. and they believe because there's fruit and there's a sanctifying and a purifying of our heart. And I'm like, you can see that thread all throughout the Bible. And yeah. like, I, I think this is where I would love to, to turn it here that like the process of sanctification is hard. That if, yeah. okay, you can look at Jonah, for example, three days in the belly of the whale is not a pleasant experience, right. but the benefit of that is that he comes out and his desire is to now go and preach the gospel. And there are people that repent and believe and turn from their sins. Yeah. And I think a lot of us have to ask as Christians, like, what is my end goal? What, what is my greatest desire here? They're like, you mentioned yeah. comfortability, but I'm like, is my greatest desire to look like Jesus? Is my greatest desire to live a life like Jesus, to do the things that Jesus would do, to go and preach the gospel to a people who don't deserve it because that's what he did for me. And that's yeah. not going to come through like easy things. He's going to bring that sometimes because of my stubbornness. He's going to have to bring me through some things to, to pull back the pieces of my heart that, that shouldn't be there. Um, well, but there, there, there and, is joy and beauty in it. There is, there is. Yeah. And that's, what's so cool about it, right? Like even the story of Jonah, and I love that you brought it up because Jonah goes, he gets gobbled up by this fish. He gets spit out he goes, he goes and is obedient to Jesus and he goes and he shares the gospel and he does all these great things. Right. But then he turns around as a little jerk, he's a little baby. Because he yeah. climbs up this hill, oh, he sits under the tree, so good. and he's that's like, so good. he's he's just like a little turd about it. That's and like, so what I think this shows is that like, through sanctification, like we are still human, yeah. and our default is still our human nature. Yeah. Like it's still tugging at us, it's still pulling at us. And I think that's why the process of sanctification is the process of rooting that out, right? Yeah. And, and I think the story of Jonah is like a perfect picture of the cycle. It's like, boom, disobedience, sanctification, obedience, disobedience. And it's just like the cycle of, wow, God is like sanctifying his people. Yeah. And you yeah. see it all throughout scripture. Yeah. Well, and that, that's such a beautiful picture right there. Three steps forward and two steps back. Um, yeah. Like that, and that's literally what it was. Like he, he goes and preaches the gospel and then turns around and reverts to exactly his, the sinful nature that brought him to the belly of the whale in the first place. And I think that's yeah. like a lot of the conversations you and I have had where it's like, man, I learned that lesson years ago and I still find myself like Hosea talks about like our love for God is like the morning dew. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. And I'm like, I feel like I've learned that lesson. I feel like I'm turning a corner. And then all of a sudden I do the things that I don't want to do. Like Paul talks about that. He's like, I, I, the, the, the spirit is strong, but the flesh is weak. And I feel yeah. that I feel that. And I've, that's the beauty of sanctification is that like you will feel your spirit grow stronger with a desire for God and the desires that he has, but also like the flesh will always be weak. Always. Yeah. Um, and th those two tensions, I, I, I just think that that's the hard part about sanctification is that that tension will always be there. Yeah, it will. Well, and here, here's a question for you. There's something that I'm thinking through. Maybe you can help me parse this out. And I think this would be a good way to kind of close our episode today. Do you think, do you think that the lack of notice of sanctification in the Christian world, 
I, I think there's two reasons Christians are apathetic or numb towards sanctification. One, it's because we just don't want it, right? Like we just don't yeah. want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to be inconvenienced. We don't want our plans to be tossed away for God's plans, right? And so there's just like this active desire to not want sanctification because it brings hardship. Yeah. yeah. Or do you just think we as Christians have grown so apathetic to the gospel and what Jesus has done for us that we just live a life that doesn't think about becoming more like Jesus. Like I'm trying to think through just like, because for us, we're in ministry. It's really easy for us to like talk about sanctification often because that's the world that we're surrounded in. But I'm like even thinking through some of my friends or some of my family. That's like, is it just something that they're actively resisting or is it just something that they don't, understand is like even a thing in the Christian life. Like have we as pastors collectively failed in communicating what sanctification is? That's that last one right there is probably where I would land on it. Like, I I think there is like some comfortability um, in the church that it's like, okay, well, like I got my get out of hell free card and then I can stay the same for the rest of my life. And, and that's it. Yeah. I I mean, there's obviously some of that, but I think the majority of it is, I don't think, a lot of Christians know they don't have a handle to describe the things that they're feeling that it's like, man, like life keeps beating me over the head and God is still good. And I feel this growth and this pull and this war within me. And like, yeah, man, that's called sanctification. And like, here's the beauty of it and here's the hardship of it. And this is like what the Bible has to say about it. I would say it's a failure on pastors. Um, Yeah. Because it's like, it is the thing that makes discipleship possible. Um, yeah. 100%. It's, it's the thing that makes discipleship possible. And so I think it's a failure of our discipleship, honestly, yeah. to equip the saints. I look at my life in like, it's probably really bad, but I look at my life in like arcs, you know, like TV show <laughs> arcs. I'm like, this is arc one. This is arc two. This is arc three. And every arc of my life has like, you know, the, the start, the, the rise to the climax and then whatever like tension enters in. Right. So like there've been three things in my life without going too deep or being too personal that have really just been tough and difficult and have wrecked everything. And those three moments in my life by far have been the three things that God has allowed me to speak to in other people's lives when they're going through something. And ultimately like God has used me not only to look more like him through those situations, but now I get to enter into people's lives who are going through difficult things in their life and get to speak life into it. And so like sanctification in that place, two roles, like God has a plan. And so he wants you to look more like him but like you best be reassured that later in life, that is a testimony of God's redemption. Come on. Come on. And like, he's going to put you in places where you get to speak life into other people's situations. Yeah. And so like that should encourage you, yeah. you know, like your sanctification, your hardships, your struggles, your difficulties, like the things that are in your life are not purposeless. Yeah. And even things that you have done to yourself God will redeem. It's like 
people say, well, yeah, I went and had premarital sex. Now I have this kid. Now this kid is like putting a lot of strain on like my life and financial situation. That's just sanctification. Well, like, sure. But you chose to go out and sin and do things like out of the order that God had prescribed. So really you're just dealing with the consequences of your decision. Yeah. But it's like God still, even in that. God has it. redemption and a plan behind it. And so yeah. like that should be encouraging for everyone. Yeah. Well, I, I love like basically to sum it up, like your trial turns into a testimony. Um, and so like that, that's the thing that like what you are going through, every trial should turn into a testimony. It's just what you do with it at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, that's when it just becomes a chapter in your life or it's something that you can use to minister to other people. Um, Cause every trial ends at some point, at some point. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought this up. Like, I know we got to wrap up here in a second, but there are several moments in my life. They're like, B- I heard someone describe them as like BC and AD moments. It's like nothing was the same yeah. before or after. And there's like three of them in my life yeah. that I can go back. And like one is good to crush me. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Utter crush me. Yeah. And I do not ever want to go through those things again. I do not wish those things again, but I'm also not the only one that's ever gone through those things. And so, but I can look back at my life and I can be like, there is a better version of Reagan that loves the Lord after those things than there was before those things. And so if my end goal is to look more like Jesus, I don't ever want to go through those again. They sucked, but I can praise God for what he used and what he did with it to make me look more like him. And that's why I can celebrate sanctification. That it's a promise that that trial, that mess, that consequence and circumstance, whatever it is, that does not have to be the end of your story. That he is sanctifying you and moving you more towards him. Yeah, that's good. Like, Man, that is the heart behind our podcast. That is that is literally why our tagline is pastors who haven't figured it out. Because like we go through some stuff, we struggle, and we we walk through it, we chug through it a lot of times, and at the end of that process, we look more like Jesus. And that's that's the point. So thank you guys for tuning in today. Yeah. Uh, and as Reagan said, man, thank you so much for the recent support that we've gotten on these episodes we feel it. really just we feel it yeah we see it on like podcast reviews emails text messages that we get um thank you so much for sending those in it's cool to see the numbers on one side but it's also really cool to see text messages and emails and yeah. things that reaffirm those numbers and and it yeah. reminds us that there are, is a soul and a person behind each number that listens to the episode so thank you guys we yeah. really appreciate it. Um, you can check us out on TikTok, Rots of 157, Reagan Jones 97. Um, and we post all sorts of different content. You can let us know whose TikTok page is your favorite after you've checked both of ours out. And um, I'll be someone, happy to someone to hear made that Someone made Victor a fan page or a fan TikTok. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite video. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. And until next time, take care and God bless. <laughs> I'll put the link in the show notes. <laughs> that fan page needs to die. Dude, it's so amazing. Stop that. It's so it's so incredible. You have fans. It's got it it's got 10 heart. likes and two of them are me. But it's got 3 comments. <laughs> you said you're my idol. <laughs> <laughs>